what I like about what I'm experiencing with you is the value, right? Like is really understanding, uh, of course, there is a place in this world for quantity. Um, yeah. Getting things out there with speed is important, and, and yeah. but doing things with intention and mm-hmm. value, and and letting it be sustainable, like you mentioned. I want to continue to explore possibilities. Really, that's that's what my life is about. In ten years, what I see, however, is um, I want to have more impact on how we build uh, more conscious businesses and more transformative companies. I think there is a big, big need out there. Um, to really change the way we do business uh, more sustainably, more consciously, uh, with more diversity in mind and uh, looking into the possibilities of the future. Welcome to Future Driven. I'm Adam Lejenkop, and on this podcast, we talk about challenges and wins in business. See the vision, drive the future. All right, welcome to Future Driven episode number 47 with Guillaume Biat. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. We've had already had some fun laughs off camera because uh, he had to educate me a little bit on how to say the name. But yeah. uh, so so glad that you're here. Uh, I'm really excited to jump in and learn more about you and your business and and everything you're providing to uh, your clients. Adam. So, um, so thanks thanks for coming in. Yeah, Adam, so great to be here. I just can't wait. And uh, it's true, we had a good laugh already, which is uh, hopefully we keep it we keep it this way. <laughs> yeah. It's always a good show, sure Will. Yeah, yeah. That was a good sign. So um, you are the CEO or the founder of MetaHelm. And tell us a little bit uh, about MetaHelm. I, I guess, sorry, give me a quick intro of MetaHelm, but then I want to go back and talk about uh, your, your past a little bit. So MetaHelm is a strategy consulting firm. We provide uh, business consulting services and we focus on something called strategic narrative. And what a strategic narrative is, is a little bit different than business storytelling. People think it's the same, but um, a strategic narrative helps you do basically two things. It helps you uh, give your company a stronger sense of direction and more traction. So make people more excited, more motivated, it's a system, in fact, of stories and processes and values that we build over time with the founders, CEOs, um, business owners. And my focus is on professional services firms. So consulting firms, uh, engineering, software development, uh, a little bit of marketing and design sometimes. But uh, that's my background. I've been in this industry for over 25 years. And that's what I focus on. We're based in uh, West Seattle. You may hear a little bit of an accent because I'm from France. I started I started working on this uh, twenty yeah, so like I said, over twenty five years ago in Europe. That's my uh, that's where it started. And then because I fell in love with the uh, with the U.S. citizen, my wife uh, Dina, who's from Seattle, I relocated here uh, with her in two thousand and eight, which was such a great time <laughs> to come here with no network, a broken English, and try to sell your consulting services in the middle of a financial crisis. <laughs> I, I say that with irony, but it, it was actually looking back, uh, one of the best decisions I made in my life. Well, that that's that's beautiful. So give us, a, before we get to 2008, because obviously some things happened prior to that, yeah. give us a little bit about your... Uh, your background, your career background, kind of what, what was your career made up to prior to maybe 08? Um, prior to 08, my career was made up of 
the patchwork of things, I grew up very curious uh, and also with very lucky to have parents and, and a family environment that would just give me access to tons of different things and disciplines. And if I wanted to learn music or mechanics or uh, a new language, uh, it was actually fairly possible. So I've been very privileged in that regard. And I always cultivated and nourished this. And I thought that I, when, you know, when as a, as a kid, I thought my life would never be just one, one career, one just, you know, get a job and that's your title and that, that's what you do until retirement. I was really anti against this model, although that's what my parents wanted me to, to, to do. So I went to business school, I majored in finance. I also went to conservatory and uh, graduated with a degree in jazz. Uh, and then I, I studied marketing, I work in software. So really a, va a, a big variety of things which um, gave me the, I guess, the, the, the habits, you know, and the skills to understand uh, businesses in, in the very broad sense uh, I, can, I can work with. Today, I can work with many different areas. But back to my background, back, back to your question, um, I, I went to business school uh, and then I wanted to be, so my dad's a doctor. Uh, but I never wanted to be a doctor. He tried to expose me to medicine and I can't stand uh, the blood. I can't stand, you know, sight of blood. So he's a surgeon. He took me uh, a few times to the OR and I fainted and it was like <laughs> the shame for him. It was like, okay. But I, I, I knew I wanted to be in the, in the capacity where I would help people in a, in a, in a way. And so very quickly, I developed the sense for how you listen to people how you advise people, how you can help them. Um, at first, I thought it was a lot about talking and giving advice. And then I realized through through the year that it was more about asking the right questions. Yeah. And um, and one day, uh, I was a young consultant. So I started in consulting. Uh, I went to, and you know, I looked, I, I, I talked around to my teachers and, and I said, well, what do I do to be a good consultant? And I go, well, you have to work, you know, for the big firms and, you know, so well, I'm like, okay, I'll try that. Um, I did, I was hired by a big firm uh, when I was uh, 27 or 28 and I lasted a few years, maybe two, three years and I was miserable because... What years, what years was that? Uh, 1998. And this would have been in France? Yeah, I was in France, yes. Okay. And interestingly, at that time, I was I was hired by an American consulting firm, two of them, EDS, Electronic Data System, founded by Ross Perot, then for later on um, acquired by uh, Hewlett Packard, and then AT Kearney, it's a strategy consulting firm. Um, I think they're based initially uh, out of uh, Chicago. Okay. I was hired by the, uh, you know, for the Paris office, and I was very proud. It was very, very, really interesting. But I was very, I was very miserable there because it was so formatted. So um, you know, it was really kind of putting you in this uh, cookie cutter kind of box of how you think and what you should say and how you should dress as well. And I, I'm more. I have. A, I'm a very creative guy. You know, I'm an artist, and I would push the boundaries all the time and push back about how we do things. Um, I'm an innovator. And so I thought maybe it's better that I I, I build my own company. <laughs> so uh, so I started uh, I started my first company was um, with with a uh, with a few other colleagues from from those firms, 
uh, it was uh, it was 1999. It was uh, really in the midst of the dot com boom, and we started a company that was uh, a digital platform to uh, purchase, to buy and 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 purchase uh, industrial supplies, like all sorts of supplies, uh, office supplies, mechanical supplies. So our job was to build this platform and to uh, help facilitate transactions. So that was my first company. Uh, that, was, that was fun. Uh, and then we we realized that, okay, what really matters then is the content. Like you can't you can't set up those, those digital uh, uh, platforms. You can't deliver on that value proposition if you don't have right, the right content. So we started another company uh, that focused on that, how to create industrial based uh, content and at the time just to for people to to for for context here uh, today we all go on amazon or all those websites and we expect the content to be there like it's normal it's actually the you know today the content is digitally created net natively uh, you know digital but at the time it was all paper based right it was still the age of paper catalog and so all you know all those large organizations were thinking that's great. We want to we want to digitally transform, but we've got a million items in all those catalogs. How do we take this from an online platform? And so we would help them do that. So it was a very manual work. It was a very process driven work. But we have to be extremely creative to do this quickly and and accurately. Uh, and we learned along the way about how you categorize things. So. It was a very interesting project. Um, we had clients all over Europe uh, as a young project director, traveled a lot. And what I learned from this experience was that uh, really you have you could have the best strategy, the best technology the solution you want. If people are not aligned, if people are not motivated, you know, if we're not on the same page, then uh, it's worth nothing. So... Uh, and I, I also, at the same time, I, I burnt out a little bit. I was, uh, I was, I was not married, didn't have a family. All, my, all that mattered was my career, to be honest, and have some fun with my buddies. And I thought that's not the life I really want. Um, so I, I slowed down um, and started studying other techniques and sciences, meditation, uh, Chinese medicine, and I was trying to really heal myself uh, from a from a from a start that was really a little bit off my. Uh, my authentic track or what I call now my authentic track looking back I'm like I can see it but at the time I couldn't see it and so I started this uh, this third company that was a coaching and training company where we would um, help people with their uh, interpersonal relationships uh, both in the personal space and in the in the professional space a company called Thailis, uh based in Lyon and uh, because I came to this to this uh, venture with a, a technology background, uh, I started building products that were assessment products you could take online. Uh, that was really the golden age of all that era of like going online and answering questions and having some kind of uh, reformatted information uh, come back to you with some insights about your pers your personality, what you could do differently. Um, so so I really it was really fascinating. And then I, I moved to the United States. Um, for personal reasons that for the personal reasons that I explained earlier and I came here and I'm like what do I do now I had this plan of still doing consulting uh my company in France was still operated by my former business partners um and because of the financial crisis every, all my plans went, went through the <laughs> went went away so I'm like what do I do now 
and you know in listening to what i i truly wanted to to do here in the united states i thought you know i i really came here because i want to experience a little bit of this thing called the american dream like how do you you know how do you do this so so i I still looking for jobs no one could under first of all as you as you experience very few people could say even even say my name uh, no one could understand what's on my resume, all those companies I helped. Uh, so I was kind of like, was kind of screwed and stuck. So I'm like, okay, no problem. You know, I'm scrappy. I started the taking odd jobs, and I ended up in retail, um, and found out that I could really sell very, very well in retail. So uh, I became a store manager for a, a famous brand called Coach uh, in Tacoma. So, uh, so let's uh, let's stop there. <laughs> let's go. So very so, into the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that was great. And and so for me, uh, I guess I just want to make sure I was tracking. So you you, uh-huh. you after the third company, you left France with uh-huh. your at the time or or now wife. Yeah, yeah, we were married already. Yeah, yeah. and and you landed here uh, in Seattle in two thousand eight. Yeah, in Tacoma. Seattle. Great. great. So two thousand eight. Yeah, and so then, and that's when you started to go into retail because of the circumstances of 2008 and everything. And yeah. when you landed with a, a really nice brand with yeah. with Coach, yeah. so yeah. so what what value I guess did you learn from experiencing uh, that brand, even in, even in the retail space? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of what 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 brought? You know, how did that help you eventually get to Midal? Fortunately, coach was very much about people. It was very much about empowering people. It's a, it's a brand that had invested at the time. I left coach, you know, over a decade ago now, so I don't know, maybe it has changed. But at the time, yeah. it had invested heavily in training people and empowering people and, and, and shaping a, a retail model that feels more like the one we know, we know now, where uh, it's more about we recognize that consumers uh, know more than us sometimes in in retail sales, right? But it was the it was the beginning of that trend, and I think that coach had seen that coming, and um, and so I learned so much. First of all, my my intent going into retail was first of all to to learn the culture, like talk to people, and you know through my interactions and my questions with them, just know like how do people live, what are their interests, whether whether their passion, their needs, their struggles. Um, it was it was such a great way for me to access and understand the American culture here in the Northwest and in the suburbs of Seattle. I just wanted to belong. That's my uh, that's my only goal. And I got a paycheck, and it was fun, and I was a good salesperson. So I learned I learned so much, and I learned some really good uh, I think business practices. You know, culturally, uh, cult, you know, cultural American business practices within uh, within that brand. That's that's uh, that that was really the what I took away from that experience, Adam. So for me, when, so what, what year did you launch MetaHelm? I launched MetaHelm in 2016. Uh, so what happened between Coach and 2016 is I, I went back to consulting. I worked for two two companies, uh, a boutique consulting firm called People Firm. They got acquired by Ernst & Young. And then Point B, who is a uh, b- bigger company, bigger firm here in uh, uh, in the Northwest. And I got, I got back into consulting because I thought retail's fun. It was great. Um, I, I I killed it. I really had. It was very successful, um, and I mean successful in terms of numbers, but also relationship. I, I had built a team in my store that was very very unique, 
but I'm still a consultant at heart. I came back, I want to go back to consulting. So eventually I, I, I went back to consulting. I uh, worked for the big firms and guess what? The same feeling, the same thing happened than you know, the first time, the first place in my career. I thought, this is great, but it's really, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So I'm going to start my own consulting firm again. <laughs> I'm a serial, <laughs> serial troublemaker. Um, and so I, I started, uh, I started MetaHelm in 2016, looking at what I had seen in professional services firm uh, and seeing, seeing a bunch of things that were not okay for me. Um, like the way we, um, the, the, the way we show up in front of client, I think has to change as I think has to evolve, uh, the way we do marketing, uh, the way we, uh, shape offers so many firms, you know, are scared to specialize or to really believe in their intuition to provide what's of value to, uh, to their clients, but also how the, how it aligns with their values and, and who they are as people, you know, that's how you become the best, uh, advisors is by aligning what your client care for, what they want, but also uh, why, why it makes your heart beat. <laughs> now you have to bring some passion. You have to bring in some, some energy to this work. And I, yeah. I think so many firms still, still are still learning this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I really enjoyed uh, your ebook, Strategic mm -hmm. Narrative. And uh, I, I liked the way it was a quick read, which is always nice. It flowed visually and it was a really, um, I mean, would you call it a bit of a thesis or a, uh, a premise of your practices? So tell us a little bit about what strategic narrative is and how that helps really all organizations as we embark, you know, on storytelling and engaging with the customer and the clients and so forth. So first of all, the, the book is, uh, yeah, it's a 13 minutes read. I first uh, wrote a, a manuscript for a book that could have been 250 pages and I put it in the trash because I thought that was great. But honestly, if you were me, that's not the kind of book I would want to read. I would want to read a quick read that is visual, that is, that is uh, punchy, thought provoking. And so I thought, how about we take all those ideas and we package them in a in a book that reads in ten minutes, that's visual, kind of like a kid's child, like a children's book. Yeah, yeah. So if you get that feel, that's that's why I I did this. And the, the other thing is that um, I'm a consultant. Consultants um, typically uh, know how to uh, use presentation design software, and I wrote this book in Apple Keynote. So nice. I choose. I, I view very, very authentically. I, I, this is how I, I, I published this book. It's an ebook. I'm working on a print version. And you asked me what strategic narrative is. Strategic narrative is the thing that you feel when you go buy from a company that has this energy. You know, you don't know why exactly, but it, you're drawn to it. You're drawn to it. It, it feels like a movement. It feels like, Everything they do applies or is is relevant to you, and um, it it not only shows up in their brand branding in their marketing. Most people think, oh yeah, it's a marketing, it's a branding thing. Yeah. It's true, um, but it also and most importantly shows in their people in then in their leadership how how people work together. It's it's really a concept that that takes the idea that. Um, a brand or a company is first of all a group of people that get together to accomplish a mission. Yep. Right. 
um, it's really the the most ancestral definition of how we do things on you know uh, the, how the human species does thing on this planet, and <clears throat> it's how we've we've gathered into tribes and then villages, communities, countries, and now corporations. Um, you know, or, around narratives. If you if you look at at religions, the religions understood this very very early on. And have written scriptures, you know, uh, uh, visually illustrated what their stories are. And I define a strategic narrative as a system of stories. Um, most people think that business storytelling is uh, just about being able to uh, say, write, or, or show compelling stories, which is which is great. But the problem we run into, especially in my field, which is working with companies who are very much knowledge based, they work with ideas, is that you end up with tons of stories. And it, it ends up being a mess. Like, okay, what do you do? Versus in, pro I see that in product-based companies, it's a little different because you have a product, it's tangible and the product takes time to develop. So it's not so volatile. Uh, but with ideas, things can change from day one to day, to day A, day A to day B. And so you end up with a whole bunch of ideas, a whole bunch of stories. And so when you're a solopreneur, that's fine because you can still gather that you can still manage that but as, as soon as you have a team like how do you get people on the same page and especially if they are experts and they have big brains and oftentimes big egos <laughs> they want to be the the guy who's the, who's the smartest guy in the room or or his right um and i don't mean i don't mean that in a negative way that's what they're paid to do uh since so it's also a strength right but you end up with a system of stuff that is very incoherent and creates a lot of noise. So strategic narrative, again, is about how we make sure that people are on the same page, that they know what to do, they know where to go, um, and they know how to really do things, very simple things, like um, explain what the value proposition of the professional services is. Yeah, you know? I love it. I thought, I thought it was very well done. Um, yeah. And I, I love the visuals, the simple visuals of the arrows did a lot of storytelling. Oh yeah, yeah. These arrows, everybody loves them. Yeah, yeah. That that, that was great. Um, cool. I want to pivot a little bit because I I signed up for your newsletter as well, and you sent something out just uh, just today. Or oh yeah, this week about um, OpenAI ChatGPT, and that's obviously a hot topic right now. And wanted to dig a little bit on that. I think everybody is just like over the moon about this capability. Yeah. Um, but you had a, an interesting. Uh, kind of opinion on that and the lack of emotion, the lack of, the lack of depth then uh, is is not yet with OpenAI. So yeah. pretty interesting, kind of give us what's your thoughts on, you know, I guess content writing uh, and storytelling with machine learning and uh, the advantages and disadvantages of that. Many people see that machine learning presents huge opportunities. AI, I was, I was just going to say AI. Yeah. Um, because there, there are differences, but let's make it simple. They see it as a huge opportunity and a huge threat. Threats. Why? It's because they consider that, uh, you know, for content development, um, they see content development as this way to appeal people with more ideas. They see it as the outside thing you do, and so they go, great. We're going to be able to push more content faster and cheaper. But if everybody does this, it's going to inundate this world with very um, mediocre content. Because so far, yes, uh, AI is very good at this. But if he, and I did the test, and I, that's what I, I, I put in my in the email. I I tested it myself, and you get 
decent content, the level of maybe like an, uh, a ninth grader or, you know, freshman in, in, in college, you know, it's, it's there, but it has no wit, has no personality. It has no courage, no risk taking in the writing. And so, um, we're going to end up with a bunch of content that feels and looks like that. Uh, so my opinion is that if you invest a little bit into writing, into developing ideas that stand out, um, you're actually, it's, this is a really, really good time to do that and not just rely on automated vanilla content to do more content marketing. Uh, so you, so this opens up to, to, uh, it opens up to, to this possibility. So what does this require? That requires that you have the courage to spend a little bit of time, um, experimenting with writing. And I see, um, and people tell me, oh yeah, well, we have a marketing department that does that. But I also see now CEOs and CEOs of, of very prominent brand doing this, carving out an hour or two in their busy week to write a 300 word article, three to 400 word article to really express a personal opinion with a voice that stands out and that, that adds to the, that adds to the brand that just adds to how they differentiate in the market. Um, they invest in that. And I think that's, that's the future right there. More and more, we're going to seek a human touch in our interactions and through branding and marketing, I think it's going to be a, a, a you know, a strong, uh, differentiator here. Yeah. I mean, it's so much in life of it, and I don't need to tell you this, but it is storytelling, right? It is yeah. storytelling and engaging. Uh, I heard, I saw a great video on LinkedIn the other day about somebody, uh, who got a cup of coffee and the storytelling that they got from the barista within that three minutes of that cup of coffee was, you know, memorable for them. Yeah. And it was engaging and it wasn't just about getting the product out the door and, and moving on to the next one, but simultaneously this barista was engaging with the customer, telling the story to the point where now he was then communicating it beyond that and it really stuck with him. And, and so there's yeah. opportunities are abundant to yeah. uh, storytell, engage, and no matter what industry you're in, which is why Meta Helm exists. And, uh, nice. And I, I really think everybody should be downloading Strategic Narrative. I, I found it very enlightening. I thought it was a, a, a great wow. read. Uh, uh, so congratulations on all that work. I feel like that is a culmination of a lot of your career and your learnings. What year did you uh, launch that? Is that recent? Yeah, Manahelm was found in 2016. Um, that book took me, um, like I said, it, took, it was a long process because I... <laughs> I ditched a, a big manuscript that I had spent yeah. months writing. Um, you know the the uh, the 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 quote. You know, uh, I'm sorry I didn't have time to write a shorter letter. Writing a short piece like this takes more time than writing a long piece. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's a <clears throat> it's it's probably one summit in my career. But I, now I have ideas for at least three other books of, of the same genre. <laughs> so uh, in the future, I see myself continuing pursuing this path of expertise. Uh, thought leadership and trying to always be uh, a couple steps or a few steps forward ahead of my clients to really help them see what's coming. And so that, that will require me to continue using my creative ability to research new and shape and package new ideas like that. That's great. So uh, let's shift a little bit uh, beyond into the future. Uh, yeah. What do you, you know, obviously going deep on, on uh, open AI is not uh, in your future, but but I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess I shouldn't say that. Uh, but but <laughs> well, challenging I, that space, yeah. challenging uh, the value of that 
Yeah. But give us a little bit about where MetaHelm is going, where you're personally going sure. in your career, and what do you envision? Well, I, I just want to comment and weave my answer into that you, the comment you you, yeah. you just made. Um, you know, when when the CD and the DVD was launched, uh, really there was people that were really crazy about it, and others said, "Wow, this is never going to go anywhere." Uh, you know, for instance, that did, I don't know if you knew this, but the the concept of movie theater, movie theater, right, was invented in 1901 by the French, the the, the Light Brothers, les Frères Lumière, in Lyon in 1901. They're the first to um, organize a paid show of a 30 seconds movie in Lyon. They invited the press and the public, and everybody went there and came out frightened and said. This will. This has no future. This will never go anywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> so my comment with OpenAI is like, yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. You know, it has. We're, we're starting to figure it out and and how it. And so, uh, the reason why I I wanted to comment this is because in my future, what do I see? I, I I want to continue to explore possibilities. Really, that's that's what my life is about. Um. So will I grow MetaHound to with more people? I don't know. I work with five support staff at the moment. Uh, will there be more consultants? Uh, I guess I'm looking for uh, people who think a little bit like me or, or also could come on and, and, and challenge me because do I know it all? I don't. But I don't have a strict plan for how much people I want to onboard and how big I want to grow. Um, in 10 years, what I see, however, is um, I want to have more impact on how we build uh, more conscious businesses and more transformative companies. I think there is a big, big need out there um, to really change the way we do business uh, more sustainably, more consciously, uh, with more diversity in mind and uh, looking into the possibilities of the future. Another aspect that is kind of in my DNA is that I'm looking forward to do more international work. I already do international work. So my clients are in the Middle East, in Europe, because of my background and my ties and my network. So it's kind of natural for me to go there. Um, but I would love to uh, to stay in Seattle. I love this area. This is just uh, such uh, such a great place, and operate and radiate, you know, even further. So that's that's what the future looks like for me. But what do I know? I learned in my life that um, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> you know, that's a quote by uh, by Mike Tyson, yep. <laughs> my favorite philosopher. <laughs> that's nice. So uh, uh, that's great. I, I appreciate that, and and you're and you're right. I, I think what I like about what I'm experiencing with you is the value, right? Like, is really understanding. Uh, of course, there is a place in this world for quantity. Um, yeah. Getting things out there with speed is important, and, and yeah. but doing things with intention and mm-hmm. value, and and letting it be sustainable, like you mentioned, that those are all. For those that it's important to, then you have a good synergy with them and 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 your process and your methodology work really well. So I, I wish you all the best in everything that you're you. doing. I'll be following along on MetaHelm. And you know, one last thing I like to ask, you know, to kind of wrap things up, what what will you be driving in the future? If you could be driving anything in the future, what will you be driving? I, I, I like vintage cars. I own a I own a few of them and uh I have a, a I like Jaguars. <laughs> Jaguars are have horrible engines for some years, the years that I like. And so I'm hoping to drive an electric electrified Jaguar. Ah, there you go. Have you seen the new, uh, I just saw images of the new, I know it's a Lexus, but it's, uh, uh, was it a Lexus? But it was an electric 
Lexus that is like already sold out through. I mean, it's just, it's amazing these cars that are coming out. Yeah. I think it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. The, the, the advancements in the recent years. So looking forward to more of these, but I met an electric vintage Jaguar. That's mine. Oh, that's cool. That's what I, that's what, that's what I meant. Not, not a new one. I like, I, well, you're going to have to maybe uh, manufacture that one yourself, but, uh, I, it, it, I think it, it's starting to exist and not for the model I want yet, but, um, I'm thinking, I, I think I'm sure there's people I could ask out there. So they're going to bring back throwback models of, uh, yeah. previous that, that would be incredible. Yeah. It, it already exists on Porsches and folks and old Volkswagens, um, are they are brand they? new builds or are they rebuilds? Um, they're, they, yeah, they, but they, they, uh, they take vintage cars. They literally got them out, keep the, sh- the chassis and the body and they make adjustments. And also they improve, you know, a bunch of features like, uh, they electrify the seats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, th- then, you know, at that point you can just add as much as you want, but. Uh, oh, that's cool. I like that. That's a, that's a good answer. That's what I'm hoping to drive in the future. <laughs> well, that that's definitely where you're going to be driving in the future. So I appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Uh, Adam, this is, a th- can I just say something coming from you? Um, I really, uh, the, 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 I, I like your, the way you summarize, you know, what I care about value and intentionality. I think you're spot on. Um, I wrote down these, these two words. Uh, and then second of all, thanks for the compliments that come means a lot coming from an expert like you. So, oh, well, I appreciate it. Thank you so yeah. much. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle with the name, but Guillaume, Guillaume, Guillaume Viat. Guillaume, yes. I had to practice a little bit before I started, but uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show, and uh, I can't wait to follow along. We'll see you on the other side.